Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. Baseball America College Podcast. Got a three-man crew today. We've got Mike Lanana. We've got Teddy Cahill. And I'm J.J. Cooper joining you today. And before we do that, we do want to thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College Podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is helping health conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. We have a lot to talk about this week because we had a, a wild top 25 meeting. Last week was probably the simplest top 25 meeting I can ever remember. Hey, let's just do chalk through wherever. <laughs> yeah. That's not the case today, Mike. No, last night was a little bit more difficult. I think we all had, you know, varying iterations of our top 25, you know, wildly different depending on who we liked, who we saw, and whatnot. If, if you look at the poll this week, if you haven't pulled it up yet, go on our website and check it out. There's a lot different. There's a new number one. The top five has been, re- well, the top 10 has been reorganized in a lot of ways. We have a few teams who we thought really highly of in the preseason, who have now dropped out or in the back end of the rankings. There's been a lot that has changed. And, you know, this is the fun part, really, of, of the college season to me when, you know, the expectations, you're worried less about the preseason expectations and you're focusing more on what's actually happening on the field. And you have some surprises. You have some, you know, teams that don't surprise. I mean, we all expected Oregon State to be really good this year and and so far they have been really good but but Teddy I mean what do you make of just our call last night the new top 25 and and the college baseball landscape at this point in the season well I mean starting in the midweek when Florida lost two games to Central Florida um, you know I knew at that point that things were going to start to you know maybe get shaken up a little bit at that point I wasn't I wasn't ready to say that Florida was definitely moving off of one. Um, I honestly wasn't even ready to say that you know, up until we did it last night. Um, it, it, the margins were very close there. But, you know, I, I think that kind of set the tone for the week that, that Central Florida went out and they swept that midweek home and home. And then, you know, it just kept rolling. And, uh, you know, Florida State lost at, at three. And we had a top 10 series for the first time this year. And, you know, obviously that leads to sh- some shakeup, and the three teams in the top 25 were here in the Dodger Stadium Classic, and you know that means that there's there's more shakeup. So it, we we got to that point, and the ACC starting conference play is a big part of that. And um, you know, ultimately by the time Sunday night came around, it was clear that it had become a, a week of change. And really, the first three weeks of the season hadn't been that. You know, yeah, we chalked through 17 last week. I think the week before we chalked through like 12. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it just kind of had been a very slow start in terms of um, the season, in, in terms of upsets. There, there just really weren't that many. And, you know, that, that has changed here uh, at, in week four. And uh, it, it's a new look 25. But, I mean, in several ways, teams did – some teams did exactly what we expected them to do. You know, Oregon State took care of business with Fullerton – uh, you know, after the midweek slip-up, Florida bounced back for a, a, a sweep, and um, you know, Clemson continued to roll. And 
So I, I, I think that uh, while there is some, some reorganization, there, there are also some teams that have been consistently doing what you know, we figured they would this year. No doubt, no doubt. And you mentioned Clemson. They made one of the bigger jumps uh, this week. They've gone from 10 to number 5 in our poll. They're off to a great start this year, coming off a, a weekend sweep of Georgia Tech in their ACC opener this weekend. Before that, they won a series against rival South Carolina, which is always a lot of fun, that series. And they also had a nice series sweep against Dallas Baptist. So they're doing very well. Th- those are sort of the key reasons why they've moved up to number 5. And speaking of the, the top five, we have a newcomer in Kentucky, a team that we all really liked coming into this year. And so far, I mean, they, they jumped from number eight to number four. They had a marquee series this weekend against Texas Tech, who is previously number five, now dipped to number eight. And uh, fortunately for us, J.J. Cooper was there for us. And J.J., what did you see? I, I'm really impressed I, with this Kentucky team. We all knew coming into the season, I think we felt very comfortable that they were going to pitch. I mm-hmm. mean, when you have a rotation like they do, Jelly, Thompson, you know, Justin Lewis as a Sunday starter is, that's a luxury very few teams have. A legit bullpen, you know, with Mockamer and Hockey, and we knew that they would pitch. This lineup, I do think, is actually better. They lost, you know, uh, <laughs> they lost legit hitters last year, you know, right. from last year's team. First rounder, Evan White. Second baseman, Riley Mahan. I mean, Zach Reeks, who was a really good, really productive senior last year. And that you, all that being said, I think this is a better lineup this year. And that's one of the things you saw this weekend. It's not, it's not because they have a guy. I, I don't think there's that, there, that, you know, Brent Rooker last year from his state was like, okay, you just went into every game against them knowing we can't let this guy beat him. I don't think Kentucky has a guy where you say we can't let – Tristan Pompey, or we can't let T.J. Collette, or we can't let Cole Cottom beat us. But what they have is, you go through and it's like, when does this lineup end? Because it's in the first, you go one, two, three, and all these guys are putting together good at-bats. They draw walks. They have enough power to scare you. And then you go four, five, six, and you go, okay, this is still going. And then you go seven, eight in the lineup, and you're going, man, this is, you know, Ryan Johnson is really good. I mean, he's, you know, he's putting together good swings. They go left, right, so there's really, they've got a guy coming up pretty much, it seems like, at all times who's got the platoon advantage, and really is difficult when you go to the pen to match up with them because they have enough, uh, a nice blend of, of lefties and righties. But the, the thing that really stood out is just how locked in they are in at bat after bat, pitch after pitch. And so they really, what they did with Texas Tech is they wore them down. I mean, that's... Davis Martin, John McMillan, that's a good one-two. Even without Stephen Gingery, that's a, st- a really good one-two. Mm-hmm. And Davis Martin was done after three because they ran him up. He was going, he was averaging over 20 pitches an inning. Uh, John McMillan, I thought, pitched reasonably well, but every time he made a mistake, they jumped on it, and he was done after five. They, the thing we'll have to watch is they're really locked in. They're really playing at a very high level, very intense, very focused right now. You, you don't want to be peaking at this point. Right. You know, they, it's you, not going to get any easier. <laughs> right. Teddy, you saw them last week, too. You, the, the thing you don't want if you're Kentucky is you don't want to look back and say, man, we were really rolling at the start of March. But they have all the components. I mean, we've got them four now. They have all the components that you would look for, not just in an Omaha team, but a team that can do something when they get to Omaha because 
again, there's not a defensively. I also think, even though Evan White was as good a first baseman as you'll ever see defensively, but defensively, I think they're better up the middle a little bit this year. This is just a really, you know, can you saw him last week too, Teddy? What what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's a, definitely a valid point that you don't want to be peaking in mid March, but I don't think they are. I think there's still room for improvement on this team. Um, you know, it, Luke Heyer is not going to hit 400 this year. That, that's what he's sitting right now, 400 with eight home runs. That's not happening. So I mean, He's on pace to hit are... 400 with 25, 30. You know, that's that's really good. Yeah. Maybe they do have Brett Rooker. Some of these guys are going to come back to earth a little bit. But, you know, I mean, they've done this. I know they had Pompey this weekend, but, you know, they've a lot of the last two weeks they haven't had him. So, you know, getting him more involved has to, you know, that, that you, you figure that only helps the team. Um, you know, and I think that there are some still, still some things that they can work out at the back end of the bullpen. You know, hockey is, has only been pitching for two weeks now because he was hurt as well. So, you know, I, I, I feel like there, there's, still some, there's still some room here. You know, Zach Thompson hasn't hit his stride yet. And I, I think that as good as the offense is going now, um, the team still has room to get better, which is what you need to do, at, you know, throughout the season. You can't be what you are on March, uh, what is it, 12th. You can't do that on May 12th or on June 12th and, and expect to, to contend for what they're trying to contend for. The one other thing I did want to just touch on Texas Tech real quick, which is is they did come back and win on Sunday, which was, again, against Justin Lewis, so that was a, a good win for them. The other thing is is I, I do think I, I still was impressed with this Texas Tech team. I think that they're going to be really – and we, we still have them ranked top ten. I mean, we, we think they're really good, even losing Gingery. Uh, Josh Young is just a really you know fun third baseman to watch. They, they also have a deep lineup. The, the thing I'll be interested to see with them, they, they did not play – at their best this weekend, I don't think. I mean, again, if you give up three sacrifice, three suicide—well, not suicide, but three squeeze blunts in a row—and you don't cover any of them properly, and so three back to back to back run score, and you don't get an out, that's probably a sign that you weren't <laughs> playing at your absolute peak. You know, that's. Uh, but but I do think again, I think it was more of Kentucky played well, and the other thing I will say, not trying to make excuse for Texas Tech, but. It was about 38 degrees, 40 degrees, um, all you know, for the first two games. So they were not playing in uh, ideal uh, conditions as well. You know, the thing I, I will say though, for for that, I mean, when I went out to Lubbock last year, it was the start of May and it was not warm. <laughs> so you know, if we're if we're talking about a Texas school having to deal with elements, like Texas Tech is the one that is best equipped to do it. Uh, but I, I think, to your point on the, the bunt, some of that is just the youth on that team. You know, yes, Josh Young played every day at third base last year, and um, you know they have some experienced, you know, kind of experienced players, but they're still young, and um, you know that kind of um, you know bunt defense. That, that that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to put pressure on the defense, and you know with young defenders, you never know. So um, you know that that that's an area. Defense in general is an area for Texas Tech. Uh, they kind of have to look at just considering what they lost last year. But, uh, you know, that's another team that plenty of room to still get better. Doing very well now, but but plenty of room to improve. Yeah, you know, the thing that strikes me about both of those teams, and this is the case certainly the last few years with Texas Tech especially, is both teams have faced really tough schedules to this point, And it's not going to get any easier. You look at Texas Tech. I mean, they went into this series after sweeping a four-game series against a very good South Alabama team. 
And now they have, they're going to Louisville not once but twice midweek this week, which is going to be mm-hmm. very difficult before they start Big 12 play against Baylor. And then you look at Kentucky, and they're playing probably the best series in the country, or certainly, certainly up there against Arkansas this weekend coming up. That's going to be a lot of fun. Ar- Arkansas, of course, was uh, the team on our college preview cover uh, a few weeks ago. I'm sure all of you who are listening have one of those yes. in your hands right now and are thumbing through it. Um, <laughs> So that's that's going to be another big series. But the fact that both of these teams have competed as well as they have against increasingly difficult competi- competition, I think bodes really well for both teams as they head into conference play now. Yeah, I mean, you got to admire the scheduling philosophies there. Um, you know, Tim Tadlock at Texas Tech will will take them anywhere, and uh, Nick Mangione definitely doing his part to uh, to take Kentucky uh, with with some difficult schedules and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to figure that a series like this, a road trip like this for Texas Tech, you know, they play two midweek against Louisville. Um, you know, this, this is this can only help them going forward. And, um, you know, to get out and challenge yourself is, um, you know, it's a, it's a good thing because you really find out what you've got. And that, I, I've talked with, with Tadlock before about his scheduling philosophies and early part of the season, you know, he wants to play a lot of games. He wants to challenge them. He he wants to find out what he has so that when he gets into Big 12 play, he knows and the, the kids know what they're doing. Well, that philosophy has clearly worked uh, over the, the last few years for Tadlock and that team, and so far so good for them this year, even though they lost this past weekend. But, you know, speaking of road trips and, and stack schedules, Teddy, you've been to a couple tournaments now these past couple of weeks. You had another big one this past weekend, of course, the Dodger Stadium College Classic. Uh, I know weather didn't cooperate, which only you would go to Southern California and deal with rain uh, the past couple of years doing this. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but what was what was your take of the overall competition? And it seems like Vanderbilt especially, you know, put together, you know, really these last couple of weeks they've played a tough schedule, and it seems like they've fared pretty well in these tournaments. Yeah, uh, I feel like Vanderbilt is not entirely blameless in this weather situation either. They last year when they were in California on opening weekend, that was that was the weekend that uh, you know everything got got crazy and they had to let them open the season on Thursday as a result. So anyway, uh, Vanderbilt with washouts in Southern California, that's they're they're used to that. Um, that's fair. But yeah, the 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 tournament here was uh, you know it was it was good despite Saturday getting rained out. You know, USC and UCLA you know, host their, their two games, and then, then it moves to Dodger Stadium on, on Sunday. And TCU and, and, and Vanderbilt both won on Friday night. And, um, you know, Vanderbilt then went out and, and they beat TCU on Sunday. And, and they, they looked really good in, in both of those games. I thought they played well all around games. Um, you know, I know they still have room for improvement as well. They're playing so many underclassmen. Um, but, you know, last weekend, uh, Vanderbilt lost a couple tough games. They lost a really tough game on Wednesday at Long Beach. Uh, but they were able to bounce back at the end of this trip. And, you know, they've been on the road for, I think it's 11 days. Um, and to, for, for their young players, and there are so many of them up and down the lineup and throughout the pitching staff, to, to be able to find that resolve at the end of a, a road trip to, to win two games against two pretty tough teams in, in UCLA and TCU, I mean, those are – those are two ranked teams for a reason. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was impressive, and, and it puts them in a good situation here going into the start of SEC play uh, when they'll be back out on the road this weekend uh, at Mississippi State. 
but I, I was just came away over the last couple of weeks very impressed with, with Vanderbilt's underclassmen. We know that they're talented. They have the number one ranked recruiting class this year. The sophomore class was a, another top 15 class. They're, they're very talented, of course, but you know they're, they're doing it, and they're doing it with a lot of them in the lineup at the same time. On Friday night, uh, Vanderbilt used 11 players. Seven of them were underclassmen, and you know they, they can have even more than that in the lineup if they'd want it, if they want to at times. Uh, you know they're still figuring out who fits best where. Uh, but you know one of the some of the constants I've seen over the week are that Pat DeMarco and JJ Bleday play every day in the outfield and they hit in the middle of the order, and they do a really good job. And you know that's a freshman and a sophomore, and they're two of Vanderbilt's best players instantly. And you know, the pitching staff is, is very underclass dominant as well. Um, so it, it's an exciting group. Um, it's a group that's still learning about itself. You know, I, I, they still don't know what their best lineup is, I don't think. Um, or they're, they're still trying to work through some things there. But I, I know that Tim Corbin, he told me yesterday that they learned as much as they could in, in the last 11 days, that there, there's as much growth as there could have been in the last 11 days. So I, I think this trip has been very beneficial for them. And, um, you know, it, it has them coming off of these two big wins in L.A. I think it has them in a really good spot here uh, as they get into conference play. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, obviously, you've had the first person look these last couple of weekends, but just looking at what they've done, I mean, it's one thing to grow while out there losing games against tough competition, but to grow while also winning bodes really well for this team, especially as you said, you know, they have Mississippi State coming up on the docket and, you know, things are going to ramp up with with Southeastern Conference play coming up. So certainly, you know, things are looking good, you know, with Vanderbilt, which isn't much of a surprise given what that coaching staff has done there. But, you know, another team I wanted to ask you about, Teddy, while we're still talking about this tournament is USC. Um, You know, they were the one team in this tournament that aren't currently ranked. And, you know, they weren't, they're probably not going to be in our rankings, at least not anytime soon. But given what they've done so far this year, um, you know, they played a tough series at at Arkansas. They won one of those games, lost another one in one-run fashion. You know, obviously they had the win against UCLA last night. There's a lot of young talent on that roster. How, how close are they, do you think, to being you know, one of these teams that maybe we talk about in the top 25? Do you think that's, that's in their ceiling this year, or, or what is kind of your view of the Trojans at this point? Well, I'll tell you how close they were last week. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they got walked off on at Arkansas, and if they'd held on to that game at Arkansas, they, I mean, they very well might have been ranked a week ago. You know, that's, it, was, it was close then, and um, you know, I didn't know as much then as I as I know now. I was just you know watching that those scores come through and, and watching the final couple innings um, while I was in the press box in Houston. And um, you know, it, I, I was I was a little surprised at, at that point. Uh, but you know, having seen them up close, you know, I mean, there, there's talent on this team, and, and, and we knew that. You know, it, it's a team that you know hasn't been to the to regionals the last couple of years, and. Um, you know, maybe got overshadowed a little bit by some of these other Pac-12 teams coming into the year, but they've been able to get some of these young players integrated into the lineup quickly. Um, you know, they're banged up right now. They're they're missing you know some key guys, but you know they've they've really fought the last couple weekends. Um, you know that going into Bomb Stadium is not easy, and they very nearly came out of it with a series win. Um, 
they got beat up pretty good by Texas or by TCU on Friday night. Um, the game just really got away from them. I guess I was at UCLA um, that night, so I didn't see them then. But my understanding is the game just kind of got away from them. They lost ten to nothing. Well, they they were able to bounce back to to win that game against their rivals in Dodger Stadium on Sunday. Um, and you know they got down in that game twice. They you know it was only a run, but they they twice had to come back against a, a good UCLA pitching staff. And then Lars Newtbar um, you know sends a homer in, in the eighth inning to to give them a lead, and and they finish it off, um, closing the door in the ninth. And you know I I thought that was uh, just the way that. The, the turnaround in a week from you know losing in a walk-off fashion at Arkansas to being able to hold on to that late lead uh, against UCLA, I thought that was impressive. I thought that showed some fortitude and some growth from that team. And it, it's an important development, I think, as they head into conference play. They got Washington State. or No, they have Utah. UCLA has Washington State. They have Utah coming uh, to Dato Field uh, this weekend. I think that's a nice opener. The conference play for USC, uh, and then you know they really ramp up. I, I think it's they have, they're at Stanford the next weekend, so um, you know they they can get into conference play. Utah's the worst team in the Pac-12 right now, um, and, and maybe build some momentum going into the rest of the the conference action. But I I don't know how close they are to the top 25 right now. They seem it's an intriguing group though. Like ultimately. I am very intrigued by by what I saw. You know, Jamal Gwynn, um, Lars Newbar, they have some power. They're not totally going yet. Um, I think the offense just kind of does enough. And I think that the pitching staff is solid. Um, Kyle Hurt looked very good. Uh, he was supposed to start yesterday because of the rain out. They wound up using him out of the bullpen in relief of uh, Quentin Longrie, who was solid. Uh, just as and he was probably even better than than that against Arkansas. Um, I thought Kyle Hurt showed some flashes. I mean, he's still a freshman, so you, you know you're working through some things there. Uh, and then Connor Lund at the back end, except for that Arkansas loss, has been very good this season for them. He has five saves already. Um, you know, and I, I thought he came into a really tough spot uh, yesterday. Uh, runners on first and second in the eighth inning. He gets a strikeout to end that threat. Uh, and then in the ninth inning, UCLA got it going a little bit, got Chase Strumpf to the plate with the uh, runners on the corners and two outs, and Longrie strikes him out to, to end the game. And so I, I think having him on the back end really helps some things. Uh, you know, I, they, they're still piecing some things together, I think, and, and some of that is the injuries. But, but I do think the Trojans are a team to watch, they're, and you know, it's a team that potentially could make some noise in the Pac-12 this season. Right. No, I, I've certainly, I think you laid out their case really well. And it's certainly a team that I'm watching going forward. Um, you know, they're a team that, you know, the last few years we've really liked coming into the season and for whatever reason, haven't been able to put it all together. But so far to this point in the year, there's a lot to like there about Dan Hubbs' team. And I'm curious to see how they do as Pac-12 play starts. But uh, now uh, a word from our sponsor, uh, Health IQ. How would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com BA or call 1-800-549-1663.
6464 to talk to a Health IQ agent. Mention the promo code BA for savings. And JJ uh, Cooper has left us uh, for the second half of this podcast. So, Teddy, it's just you and me at this point. And uh, I think now's a good time as ever to look at the rest of our top 25 and some of the other key changes um, that took place on the back end. And there was really, and there was a lot of shuffling, um, a lot. Um, you know, the big thing that, that strikes me and that I'm sure a lot of people have noticed is that both UNC and Virginia, you know, UNC was our preseason number six. Virginia is a team that we've had in the teens in our rankings uh, since the beginning of the season. Both of those teams have dropped out uh, this weekend. Uh, UNC lost a, a really tough series at Louisville. And that alone isn't enough to boot them from the rankings, but given their 8-7 and seven at this point and really just a, a tough, inconsistent start for them, they've been a little banged up on the mound as well. Um, it's been a rough start for the Tar Heels. And then Virginia lost a series at Duke this weekend. Duke looked very impressive in that series. They joined the rankings at number 20. They're 12-3 and three to this point in the season. Uh, Virginia drops out of those rankings after that loss. Uh, they're a team that, similar to UNC, hasn't really gotten it going yet, and they've also dealt with some significant injury issues. Um, losing Jake McCarthy for six to eight weeks is is not good uh, for Virginia. Uh, he's really an igniter at the top of that lineup, a lot of speed, um, a veteran guy, had a really big summer, and the top prospect on that team from a position player standpoint. Losing him is not good, and then they lost Cam Simmons Earlier, you know, he was a guy who was expected to be a big middle of the order bat for him, and they're without him for the entire season. So, you know, there's some there's some reasons for concern with both of those programs right now, and in their place, we brought in Duke at number 20. Uh, East Carolina comes in at number 21, a team that uh, a couple weeks ago uh, took down UNC in a really good showing and has continued to thrive at this point. They're 12 and three. Sam Houston State comes in, another team that's really uh, so far faced premium competition and held its own. NC State comes in at number 23. Illinois comes in at number 24. And we keep San Diego State at number 25. Teddy, I mean, what do you make of, of these changes and, and kind of the, the picture in the ACC and just the, the feel with these programs as a whole at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think the the headline for me coming out of the first weekend of ACC play was Louisville uh, looks for real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that you know they, they played North Carolina at home, Louisville to that up to this point had played just one game against a team um, that made the NCAA tournament last year, and we if you look at their schedule none of the teams they'd played thus far this season we projected in the preseason to make the tournament so you know it was an iffy schedule um but louisville typically does that and they you know pile up confidence they pile up wins and then they come into conference play with a full head of steam and they did that again this year and you know so north carolina shows up and Louisville wins the first two games, and, and they, you know, they got down early in both of those games, but they're they're able to, um, you know, to come back and secure a couple solid wins against, you know, North Carolina's record does not indicate that it's a good team right now. It indicates that it's a mediocre team, but I, I really still believe that the Tar Heels are a better team than that. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the series win is going to be a really solid series win for Louisville. And I, and I just think it was an important thing. They play 
something like six sophomores in their everyday lineup. Uh, and one of those guys is a guy that I would say got regular action last year, and, and that's shortstop Tyler Fitzgerald. And he didn't, he didn't really see regular action at shortstop because they, they had Devin Harrison. So even he is playing in a new role. So I, I think that it was just good from that standpoint to get those young kids um, you know, into ACC play against a good team and, and showing that they can still thrive as a team. Uh, without Brendan McKay and without Harrison and without Kate McClure and everyone else they've lost over the last couple of years. Um, so to me, that really stood out. And I think that Louisville going forward, it, the schedule is, is still very difficult. They've got a tricky trip to Wake Forest this weekend. Um, and then there's Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina State coming for them. But I think it was a good start for the Cardinals. They're gonna have. They have a lot still to come here. Uh, the schedules, the ACC schedules, are really front loaded for them. But um, you know, I think the the pitching staff is looking good. And you know, I was talking to Dan McDonald last night, and you know, he's expecting the pitching staff to get maybe even better as they get healthier. They're gonna get uh, Drew Bennett back uh, hopefully this week. He's kind of been on the shelf since opening weekend uh, with the shoulder injury that that had they thought was good to go, but uh, they decided to be a little more conservative, give him some more time to recover in the early part of the season. And then Michael McAveen, uh, who started his freshman year last year in the weekend rotation, uh, should be good to come back from Tommy John surgery sometime in the next few weeks. So you add those guys into a, a situation, a, a pitching staff that, that has already been pretty solid this season, you know, it, it starts to look very exciting for the Cardinals. Right. No, certainly. You know, it was as much as we like them coming into this year, uh, there's no question that, you know, there was a lot up in the air there with with how much they lost talent wise to the draft and just how much new how many new faces they were relying on in that lineup and on that pitching staff. So certainly I would agree with you that this past weekend was uh, really is the biggest test to this point and they passed it with flying colors. And it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this week because it, it, it really, the competition, as we mentioned earlier, they're, they're facing Texas Tech, which is not going to be an easy two games in the midweek. And then going to Wake Forest, who uh, kind of an odd season at this point. They're still below 500, but they just won a huge series against Florida State, who is the number three team uh, heading into this weekend. And, you know, their team, the Demon Deacons, they certainly have plenty of talent, a team that I talk about often, a team, a stadium that I get to fairly often during the season. Um, you know, starting with Griffin Roberts at the front of the rotation, I thought it was interesting. They started Morgan McSweeney uh, in the, during the doubleheader on Saturday in one of the wins against Florida State. Um, that that was, I thought was a very interesting development. And, you know, they're going to be a challenge for Louisville this weekend, so I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how they fare and how they play. And along those lines, you have Duke, another team that isn't a you know traditional power, so to speak, in the ACC. They're coming off a really good showing against Virginia. I had the chance to see them firsthand this weekend. Uh, Griffin Conine, just, uh, he's obviously he has some of the most power in college baseball in the country, and he displayed it on Friday night at the very least. I mean, he had a laser 
line drive home run in the first inning that got out in three seconds. I, I took a video of it and I and I and I timed it myself, and it was literally three seconds. And then his next at bat, he lines a, an opposite field double off the Blue Monster and left that maybe could have gotten out of some ballpark. So he's showing his power to both sides of the field. And then from a pitching standpoint, you know, if they're if they're pitching to their ability level, Adam Lasky was stuff wise wasn't great Friday night. Um, he after you know a start earlier this year against Bucknell, he he was touching 93 in the seventh inning and threw nothing below 90. Uh, on Friday he was a bit a bit more upper 80s, you know, scraping 91, 92, and had a third inning where he walked three batters in a row and looked like things were really coming off the rails. But he regrouped and lasted five and two thirds to to pick up an ACC win, and that's really a, a key. I was talking with Duke coach Chris Pollard after that. And that's really a key development for them because they've had talent on the mound. It's just been a matter of getting the composure and and sort of those ACC innings in to be able to, when you don't have your best stuff, still succeed and put the team in a position to win. So that was, I thought, big for them. I was impressed with a reliever, uh, Ethan DeCaster, that came out of the bullpen, was really funky almost like a low three-quarters side armor kind of guy with a really heavy sink on his fastball and a sweepy slider and a really tough angle uh, against right-handed hitters. I mean, there's a lot to like on that Duke team, and they haven't done anything wrong so far this year. Uh, They lost a series to Vanderbilt opening weekend at Vanderbilt, but they won one of those games, and that's going to look even better now with the way that Vanderbilt is playing. So I think Duke is is really – for real um, at this point. I, I, I was really impressed with my look at them uh, and uh, certainly, you know, all the buzz that they've gotten from scouts leading up to the season, I could see why just given the way that they approached Virginia and, and won that series this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the big question I think for us coming into the year, whether definitely I know for me, uh, was what their pitching was going to look like. We, you know, I, I knew they were going to hit I knew there was talent on the pitching staff, but it was just a matter of, like, are the kids ready to take a step forward? And so if they are, I mean, that's an incredible development for Duke. And, frankly, the ACC this year is weird. I don't know what to make of it at this point. But I think one thing that I do know is that the Coastal Division, and uh, I am looking at this, so I know that Duke is in the Coastal Division. I don't actually know their divisions. Um, but the coastal division is the weaker division this year. Mm-hmm. You know, there you, you've got in that division Virginia, North Carolina, who again we we think are probably still good teams, better than what the records maybe indicated. Yeah, point. they could, they have the talent to turn um, it around, certainly, for sure. Um, but you know, you're looking at Georgia Tech, which is also scuffling out of the gate. Miami's under 500 right now. Virginia Tech is not a team that. And Pittsburgh, those are not teams that we're expecting to contend this year. Um, You know, that's their division. And it feels like it might be there for the taking. Uh, You know, and and that means that their ACC schedule is a little lighter as a result. You know, in the other division, you're looking at having to, you know, contend with Clemson and Florida State and Louisville and North Carolina State. Like, those those are where the ranked teams in the ACC are, except for Duke. Um, you know, so I think that helps Duke this year. And, you know, I was talking about how front-loaded Louisville's schedule is. Well, now that Duke's past Virginia, uh, they got Miami this weekend at home, and then it's Pittsburgh, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, so, th- I mean, they, they might be able to build up, you know, a nice head of steam here in conference play just in this first month. 
just to get a nice start in March, I think would be significant for a younger team, for a team that isn't used to, to doing a lot of this stuff. They've made the tournament two years ago, uh, but that was the first time in 50 years. They're now ranked uh, in the Baseball America Top 25 for the first time in 20 years. So, I mean, this is a team that's doing some things that maybe it's not, uh, you know, that they don't have a ton of experience doing. So I, I think having, you know, this kind of softer start now um, that they're past Virginia uh, could be beneficial as they kind of learn how to deal with being in the role where uh, they're, they're the favorites. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And looking at that schedule, I mean, really the toughest thing on their schedule is a trip to Florida State in mid-April. But otherwise, this is a very doable schedule. I mean, of course, you have the sort of the in-state flair against NC State and UNC. Um, but really, I mean, the other, they have the, the trip to Pittsburgh, which is Pittsburgh's off to an 11-4 start this year. They're doing well, but that's a winnable series. Uh, a trip to Wake Forest, which is an hour and a half down the road, uh, not much of a road trip. And as you mentioned, I mean, that they're facing the weaker division of the ACC at this point. So I think they certainly have a great chance to make a run at this thing. Uh, I think it's very much within the realm of possibility for them to, you know, be the top team in the Coastal, certainly near the top. Um, you know, Miami is a team that has shown flashes, but they're below 500 at this point. It's not the same Miami team that we've come to know, you know, uh, the, over the, the last uh, previous 44 years or whatever their regional streak was um, before last year. So, you know, they're a young team that's still trying to find its way. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that division shakes out. I think the Atlantic is definitely the stronger division at this point without question. I've been really imp- impressed by Clemson so far. We currently have them as the team to beat in the ACC uh, as reflected in our rankings. And I think given what I've seen, I, I, I certainly – think they passed the eye test from that standpoint obviously we really like Florida State too you know they're coming off the series loss to Wake Forest but there's still no shortage of talent there in Tallahassee so I'm curious to see how this how this winds up and um, you know I'm also interested too. you know the back end of our poll you know we brought in East Carolina uh, the American conference is still a head scratcher um, we don't have to you know, dive down that rabbit hole right now. But we also brought in Illinois at number 24. And Illinois, I know, is a team that you wrote about, Teddy, and a team that's gotten really hot right now under Dan Hartlib. And they could be really the best team in the Big Ten behind Indiana at this point. That's how we have it in the rankings at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a team that, you know, we talked about a little bit on the podcast last week after their their really solid showing. Uh, they're great showing. They went through no. That's better than solid. Uh, they're they're great showing up at the the Dairy Queen Classic. Um, you know, and then this week they uh, they went down and um, you know played in a, a a little tournament in Greenville, South Carolina. They really brought the bats. Uh, the first couple of games they scored. I think it was thirty three runs on the weekend, and um, like thirty of those were in the first two days against Michigan State and. And Furman, um, you know, and I, I think that Illinois, you know, it is a team that, you know, they've really hit on something here uh, in the early part of the season. They, um, you know, they, they started a little shakily. There, there was some weird travel stuff on opening weekend, and they lost the first two games of the second weekend. But after that, I mean, they really have hit on a groove, and now they're going home. Um, you know, they're, they're through the first four weekends where they, you know, have to go out on the road and, and, and play away from Champaign. But now, now they're going home and 
um, you know, they can uh, you know, be able to, to get used to, to those environments and, and get ready for the Big Ten play. And, you know, I, right now, I mean, they do look like the, the next best team in the Big Ten. You know, coming into the year, I really like Nebraska. Nebraska is really beat up. Um, although they did just uh, win a nice series against Cal Poly. Um, I like Maryland coming into the year. Maryland hasn't quite, you know, figured it out yet. Um, you know, so it's, a, it's an interesting group. Uh, you know, in the Big Ten, I, I thought Minnesota would be pretty good, and, and they have been, but I, I think Illinois has really taken that step forward. There were a lot of young players in that lineup last year that, that are now, uh, you know, as Dan Hartlips told me, that they don't just want to be a year older, they want to be a year better. And I, to this point, it looks like they are a year better. And, you know, I, I think that that's a team that, um, you know, has really made a, a, a bit of a statement here uh, at the start of the season, and, and that's why they, they move in at 24. Um, you know, and their, their upcoming schedule, um, you know, they, they get this one home game, and then they play at Southern Illinois, and then they play at Northwestern. But, um, you know, it's uh, at least they get, to, they get to hang out in the Midwest versus, you know, having to run all over the country. So I, I think that, you know, they're used to travel and, um, you know, obviously the, the, these road trips aren't going to be um, you know, quite at the same level. But I, I think the Illini are, are a team uh, that, that's a very intriguing team, uh, and I think they can – they showed this weekend they can be very offensive, and we know they can pitch a little bit. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a group that I, – I, again, I, I think they can make a run at the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I think one thing's for sure at this point, and that's that we're not going to have any more chalk through 17 weeks with these uh, top 25 polls. Now conference that, schedules are back. Yeah, now that conference schedules are back, and J.J. Cooper's back, everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that they're back, there there's there are going to be a lot of changes, a lot of fluctuations in this poll, and uh, probably some long nights on the phone arguing over who should be number 15 and who should be number 16. But that's... That's the fun of it, and uh, you know we're always going to be here on Mondays to discuss it and break down our rationales behind all these moves. But Teddy, you know, heading into this week, is there anything, anything else that you wanted to highlight, or anything that you're looking forward to this week? Well, the number one thing I'm looking forward to is the start of SEC play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'd give us two top two top fifteen series this weekend. Uh, so that I mean, that's going to be very interesting to see. We already mentioned Kentucky and Arkansas, but you know, Auburn and A&M, uh, they, they match up, and those are two teams off to great starts that are going to be facing the best competition they've seen, kind of by a long margin. Uh, they've both tested themselves to a certain extent, but this is going to be, you know, a really big series for both teams to show, um, you know, whether they, uh, you know, just how good exactly they are. Those are two teams we like a lot. Uh, you know, and Casey Mize, I want to mention, coming off of a no-hitter. No um, big deal. It was an incredible, uh, you know, start against Northeastern. The only blemish on it was an error. He didn't walk anyone because Casey Mize doesn't walk people. Um, you know, just pounding that fastball. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see him match up against a really potent Texas A&M offense that dropped 19 runs on uh, Long Beach in one of their games. And I mean, Long Beach is not as good this year as they were last year when they, um, you know, hosted a super regional. But that's still a team that, that knows what it's doing on the mound, and A and M had had no problems with that. So I'll be interested to see them match up. And speaking of Casey Mize's no hitter, Hofstra threw another no hitter. 
Uh, that's two no-hitters in as many weeks for Hofstra, which in program history, they believe had, they had never thrown a no-hitter before last week. So uh, very impressive from Hofstra. And they're actually leading the country uh, in runs allowed. Uh, they, have, they have the best runs allowed margin to this point. It's a uh, it's been a very, very nice start for the Pride, um, you know, and two no-hitters in two weeks. I mean, that, that's just special. It's a lot to be proud, a lot to be proud of. There, there's no question there. And the, the number of, uh, there have been a lot of no-hitters to this point. I mean, we've we've had as many no-hitters as as cars that Oprah gives away on, on her on her show. You get a no-hitter, and you get yeah, a no-hitter, and you get a no-hitter. It's been, uh, it's, it's been pretty crazy. But, yeah, Teddy, I, I'm with you as far as, these SEC conferences, uh, conference plays starting this weekend. I'm excited about those series. I think we're going to hopefully learn a lot more about some of these teams. And, you know, especially you mentioned Auburn and Texas A&M. I think that's going to be really cool to see them go against the best competition that either team has faced to this point. So that's going to be a lot of fun. For me personally, I want to take a good hard look at, at Louisville uh, now that we've seen they've passed that test against UNC, I want to see how they do on the road in the ACC against Wake Forest and just see how they're doing it, you know, because as we mentioned, it's an entirely new core, a new nucleus, a new everything uh, other than the, the coaching staff there. So I, I am really curious to see, you know, what's working for them. And I also want to take a good look at, at Riley Thompson, too, on, on their Sunday start at this point, a guy who's been hurt the last few years but who has an electric fastball. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot to like there in Louisville, and so I'm going to take a good hard look at them. But, you know, going forward, you know, this is, this is the big leagues now. we got conference play going. There's going to be a lot changing. It's going to be a really exciting few weeks here. So please be sure to stay tuned with our coverage. You can follow Teddy on Twitter at Ted Cahill. Um, you can follow me at Twitter at mlanana, and you can go on our website and view our, our rankings, our roundups, our features. We have a lot of content coming your way. Um, so we want to thank you again for joining us in this college podcast. We want to thank JJ Cooper for joining us today. And uh, we want to thank Health IQ as well. Um, our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health conscious people get lower rates on their health life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.